It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. It is Tuesday, March 22nd, and we are getting back on the hardwood. Michael Beller and Austin Mock here with you. We are going to talk through the slate of Thursday Sweet 16 games, and what a slate it is. Gonzaga, Arkansas, Villanova, Michigan, Texas Tech, Duke, and Arizona Houston, that is going to be one hell of a day of college basketball NCAA tournament action. We are super pumped, Austin. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday. In recent memory, I'm sure there's there are some days that stack up to this in both recent and deeper memory, but nothing jumps out of me. This is going to be, it feels at least on paper, like a potential Sweet 16 day for the ages. Yeah, this this Thursday day feels like a like an elite eight day yes. Like in some ways, like, cause um, I, I'd say a lot of these teams have, you know, title aspirations just playing on this day alone. Um, you know, Houston and Arizona before the tournament, I wouldn't, I would not have been shocked if they won. We talked about Michigan being a team that could very easily make a run. Villanova title aspirations, Arkansas, you know what? If you put Arkansas on like the Midwest region before the uh, yeah, tournament, I would have sure. been like, yeah, they could easily make a run. Uh, obviously Gonzaga, Texas Tech, and Duke kind of all speak for themselves there. So just like nonstop. This actually is one of those days where I kind of wish that like the games weren't like uh Stand, going like, against each yeah, other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like kind of like this the the weekend games. They they like had the two standalone uh games before they, they put them against each other. So like starting off with Arkansas Gonzaga, like that somehow being like the, the boring game. Like forgetting right. the early time yeah. slot, it kind of just just shows how stacked uh, Thursday is going to be. Should should be just some fantastic basketball play. <clears throat> I think of the eight teams that are in action. If I uh, came back to you from two weeks in the future and told you that six of these eight won the championship, you would not be surprised. I think Michigan would surprise you and Arkansas would surprise you. But any of yeah. the other six, yeah, maybe you don't think Villanova. Villanova would be, the, I guess, the least likely, perhaps, of the others. But it wouldn't be like, oh, my God, Villanova? They won the championship? Like, there are six teams that would not surprise anyone if two weeks from now they are the national champions. So just a ridiculous day of Sweet 16 action on Thursday. And you said it, the first game of the day is Gonzaga and Arkansas. So let's jump right in with that. Right now in BetMGM, Gonzaga is a 9.5 point favorite. 154.5 is the total. This is a line that has already moved. This opened down at 8.5, and and now we've seen it bump up to Arkansas uh, being 9.5 point dogs in this game. And actually, uh, since uh, since, uh, the last, I don't know, half hour or so, the total's moved also. It's actually up to 155.5 on this one. So what are you thinking with Gonzaga and Arkansas for the first game of the Sweet 16? Yeah, I have a lean towards uh, Arkansas. Um, I make this about seven and a half. Uh, so it's 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 right on the like if this would somehow get to ten, like the nine and a half is very close for me. It's one of these. It's it's like on the the 
it's basically I'm not gonna play it at nine and a half. I'd, I'd need the ten, but it's it's so close, and it it kind of feels like a game where like maybe subjectively I'm thinking to myself that Gonzaga has kind of struggled with some physicality and some athleticism here. Um, we've seen them lose games uh, earlier in the year to, to the same type of thing. So like stylistically, I think Arkansas. I don't want to say like bully them, mm-hmm. but like I think it is kind of a, a matchup problem. Um, the the big concern here is Arkansas really loves to turn you over, and and Gonzaga just doesn't turn the ball over. If, right. if Arkansas can't right. generate those tu- those turnovers, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them. But otherwise, I, I think they you know can kind of hold their own. Um, and it's gonna basically come down to every Arkansas game is can they shoot the three well? Um, if they make some threes, they'll be right in this game with an upset bid. Um, if they don't shoot the three well, it kind of seems like Gonzaga can can just kind of like the Memphis game in a way. I know they came back, but like they just kept them at arm's length for the second half of that, or I guess the final 10 minutes of that right. game. Uh, but Arkansas needs to shoot the three well and find some turnovers for some easy easy back baskets to uh, keep pace in this one. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to love to see what these two coaches draw up over these four days to prep for each other, five days to prep for each other. Because, I mean, you said it, right? Arkansas, when they're at their best, they're turning teams over. Gonzaga doesn't turn anyone over or doesn't turn it over at all. And so, I mean, Mark Few knows that he can't just – I think rest on a, we don't turn it over laurels. So Arkansas's defense that is great at turning you over isn't a match for us. They're going to have to do something maybe a little bit different, tweak a little something. Arkansas is going to have to maybe figure out a wrinkle of what they do defensively to make a non-turnover prone team turn the ball over. It's going to be really fascinating to see what the first like 10 minutes of this game look like as they're feeling one another out. Uh, Arkansas, another, uh, so I'm on Arkansas too. I think nine and a half is just too many points that the Gonzaga wins the game. But Arkansas, you know, Arkansas plays a super fast pace, so it's a double-edged sword when you're going up against a team like Gonzaga. On the one hand, you're fast, like they're better than you. So your fast pace <laughs> might just get the better of you. Like your fast right. pace works uh, in the SEC when you're better than a lot of the teams you're playing. But this team that plays a faster pace than you is also better than you. And maybe you playing fast just plays into what they want to do. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, you know, Gonzaga can't just run them off the floor the way that they can a lot of teams because Arkansas is comfortable playing at fast yeah. pace. They play fast yeah. offensively. They play, play fast defensively. So that's something Arkansas, I think, is going to be able to handle. Another reason why I like Arkansas in this game excuse me, they shoot the free throw really well and they, they get to the free throw line a lot. And, you know, Gonzaga, again, this is a team, uh, this is a strength of Arkansas that is not a weakness at all for Gonzaga. Gonzaga just doesn't foul a ton, uh, but Arkansas is a different beast for them. And maybe Arkansas, I think Arkansas, this is one where Arkansas maybe can use their athleticism and use their speed to have that tilt in their favor. And if they're getting to the line as often as they do shooting it at about 80% from the line, Nine and a half just feels like we're not asking Arkansas to win. We're asking them to stay within arm's length in this game. And I don't think that's too much with how good of a team Arkansas still is. Yeah, I think the free throw is is a good point. Um, I, that was going to be my next point is basically the foul foul trouble of the you know near seven footers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Timmy or Holmgren get in, in foul trouble for Arkansas and obviously Jalen Williams, or sorry, Timmy and Holmgren for Gonzaga, Jalen Williams for Arkansas. If Williams gets in foul trouble, like yeah, trouble. Yeah, like Drew Timmy's gonna score no matter what. Like he's fantastic. It's just like having someone at the same height of him, like being able to maybe adjust a shot here and there. Uh, I know he's kind of like a crafty big man, and that mm-hmm. he can probably score over anybody. Doesn't really matter how tall you are, but 
like Arkansas doesn't really have another piece to put in there to to kind of battle, and then you're also having another seven footer in there that you have to guard against. Um, so really, how that's called it, and and that kind of goes into the the free throws that that Arkansas kind of lives on. They they live on getting to the free throw line. So the foul trouble the big man is going to be huge. It's kind of the theme in the tournament so far is basically how these games are being called. I know there's been a lot of scrutiny um, in the Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> amongst college basketball fans about how some of the games have been called. So I'm really interested to see if they let them kind of bang around a little bit. Uh, it's a fast-paced game. It's going to be physical. You know, I feel like the fast-paced games, they kind of don't like kind of let more more go because they're running up and down the court. You don't want to you don't want to be the, the, the ref crew that kills the, <laughs> the great flow of this game. So should be a fantastic game. I think it's a little bit too many points. I'd like to get a ten. I think if, mm-hmm. if I see a ten, I'll be I'll be on Arkansas. I think that's just same type of thing. I I, I was on Memphis at you know ten and a ten half. And, a half yeah. and Memphis is right around where Arkansas was uh, in, in my in my rate ratings. So uh, need the double digits to get on the Razorbacks here. But this should be a really fun game to kick us off on Thursday night. Yeah, I also wonder if Arkansas can take a page out of what Baylor did in the championship game a year ago. And, you know, there's no Davion Mitchell. There's no Jared Butler here for Arkansas. But, you know, something where they can really make this game perimeter-oriented the way that Baylor did last year and really turn up the pressure on the perimeter the way that Baylor did last year and, you know, make Gonzaga play a very un-Gonzaga-like game in that national championship. Wonder yeah, if, you need uh, a Mude to hit threes and then yeah. you need one other person. Like, yep. Mude is the only good three-point shooter they really have uh but you really need you really need someone else to come up big and yeah. kind of stretch out uh that defense so you can get you know note uh and and williams kind of more space on the inside when they when they drive and attack the basket <clears throat> yeah, cannot have jalen williams uh get into foul trouble his presence is almost more important than like him actually playing good defense against yeah that's what, that's what i mean like i don't expect him to shut down timmy yeah or or anything but like you need him to just like be there and again it's another tall like Gonzaga rebounds uh decent on offense. Like if you put in a short lineup against them, they're just gonna crush you on offensive boards. So uh yeah, that the the foul trouble both sides really uh is gonna be pretty big because mm-hmm. like even taking Holmgren out more so than Timmy on the defensive side for Gonzaga, like his arms are just like I don't know what his wingspan is, but I feel like it's like seven ten. <laughs> at least that's what it looks like. Yes. Um, and he's he's great at blocking and rebounding as well. So uh, they'll need to. Uh, it'll be that that'll be such a key to how this game kind of plays out is the foul trouble of the of the big men. <clears throat> First Sweet Sixteen game over in the South region is between Michigan and Villanova. Villanova four and a half point favorites in this one, one thirty four and a half the total for these two teams. These are teams that are familiar with one another in uh, the NCAA tournament uh, championship game just a few years ago between these two programs that Villanova won. Uh, again, this feel, this is uh, four and a half feels like a fair spread to me. Uh, I, I'd lean Michigan a little bit. What are you thinking with this one? Yeah, my numbers have it at uh, 4.6. So right, right there. Um, it's a very interesting game in the sense that both teams play pretty slow. Um, I mean, I guess Michigan's closer to the average. Villanova plays incredibly slow. Um, but I don't expect it to be a at all fast-paced game um, mm-hmm. because I think Michigan is going to try to go inside, which is generally slower possessions because Villanova doesn't really have the height to match Debate and Dickinson. Yep. And that, like, that's one of the – like, uh, <laughs> it's tough because that's a matchup that, like, we'll get into this on tomorrow's episode with St. Peter's and Purdue. Like you can play great defense all you want, but like if you just 
like if you're just getting dominated by someone that's bigger than you, it's hard to, you know, kind of keep pace. Now, the nice part for Villanova is Michigan's defense isn't that great and Villanova's offense is better than Michigan. So I think this could be like a super efficient game from an offensive standpoint, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because the pace is going to be pretty slow, you're not going to see like a, you know, game in the 150s or anything like that. Um, but I, it, it's really going to come down to the bigs for Michigan. If they, if, if, if Villanova can stop them, I think Villanova is going to cover. And if Michigan, uh, if Dickinson and, and Diabate are, are doing whatever they want on the inside. And if there's foul trouble for uh, Villanova, it's it, it's a game that Michigan could easily win. You know, we we've talked about this Michigan team this whole tournament. Basically, I would not be shocked if they make a run because they've played at a top ten team level this year, but they've also played as a not inside the top fifty team. So, really comes down to the inside play. Villanova can they get enough stops? Because I do think Villanova is going to be able to score. Devontae Jones should be back for Michigan as well. Uh, which is another piece wrinkled in there, but it's the big men uh, and how that kind of plays out for for Michigan uh, on offense. I think that's the key to this one. It, it really it does feel like it is that simple, and sometimes it is, <laughs> and it uh, like it comes down to that. And I think like that also to me, Austin is going to determine the way this game goes on the total. Like uh, yeah. Vill- Villanova is going to do what they do offensively. Uh, they just they're that they're that brand of team. Um, and Michigan's defense really isn't going to be a hurdle in that way. If Mitch, if, if Dickinson and Diabate are scoring the ball efficiently, I think it's Michigan and over. If they're not, I think it's Villanova and under. And I, I tend to lean toward the over also. I, I tend to think that these, both these teams can both what both these teams are good offensively where the other team is, struggles defensively. And I think that's going to lead to, even though it's not going to be high scoring because that's just not the way these teams play pace wise, but that's the way that, but they can both be efficient. I do think that, you know, with 134 and a half, I think there's a window here where, you know, this game easily plays up into the uh, you know, high 60s, low 70s on both sides. And we're, we're cruising past that 134 and a half and we're more in the, you know, 138 range uh, if these teams can both be efficient. And I think that both these teams can be efficient. I think they can both do what they want to do offensively uh, and exploit some of the defensive weaknesses on the other side. So you're going to see going to see a lot of half court basketball. In this game, yeah. it's not going to look a lot like Arkansas and Gonzaga on the other side going opposite it, but I think it's going to be an efficient offensive game from both of these teams. Yeah, like Villanova doesn't turn it over, and Michigan's defense mm-hmm. is not predicated on turning you over. Um, like Michigan, you could say, has some turnover issues. Definitely when they get into bad stretches, it's usually turnovers. Like That's kind of funny how efficient their offense is when they don't turn it over. Like they, They're very good at putting the ball in the basket. Uh, but Villanova's not exactly a great, uh, great at turning you over either. So that matchup kind of works out. Villanova, surprisingly, for not being huge, uh, is a pretty decent offensive rebounding team. But Michigan, you know, obviously it's kind of expected here with the the height and length that they have. They're mm-hmm. one of the better defensive rebounding teams. So like, it, it, for me, it really just it, it comes down to these the big men for Michigan. Do they like can Dickinson? Does Villanova just like abuse Dickinson? On defense, does Michigan show some zone, you know, to kind of help that out? But Villanova shoots the three very well. So, you know, like, it, it really comes down to the big men and how that matchup works on both ends of the court. Because I think it could just be one of those ones where, you know, Michigan could be scoring at will. But, like, Villanova's just terrorizing Dickinson because, you know, he's going to have to play a little bit more on the perimeter than he's probably comfortable doing. So, seems like... It, it it really is simple. You said it. It's it seems as simple as how does the, how do the Michigan big men 
factor into this game, and 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 that's really what it's going to come down to, in my opinion. <clears throat> you go back to the last ten minutes of the first half of Michigan's first round game against Colorado State. You play that all the way through the win over Tennessee. I think you could say we've seen the fifty best consecutive minutes of basketball that we've seen from Michigan all season, and we're seeing it right now in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, they ended the year on like what nine like alternating yeah, wins trading, or something like yeah, that. Their win against Tennessee losses, was yeah. their first back-to-back win since like January, uh, middle of January or something crazy like that. And one uh, of those games no, was Penn State. So. Yeah, but, but you're right. <laughs> Michigan has been probably the most inconsistent team in basketball this year. Um, I know it's been said a lot. People listening, you probably know that they were a top five team coming into the year. They were not a good basketball team to start. Their, their you know, five-star recruits, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, weren't quite five star as soon as you step on the court type of players that mm-hmm. I think people thought they were going to be. They've definitely been better down the stretch. It's just really like the inconsistency of, of freshmen really kind of like Caleb Houston couldn't make a shot in the Tennessee game, but in the second half of Colorado state, he had, I think he went ahead of like in five possessions, hit three threes or something crazy like that. Like he just got hot. That's just, that's how this team is. Villanova, obviously one of the more consistent I feel like each year their offense, you just know exactly what it's going to be. They're going to just crush you with threes, good free throw shooting. So kind of a two two different teams here. But, yeah, I think you're right. The last 50 minutes for Michigan has been probably <laughs> their best 50-minute stretch of basketball uh, this year um, outside of basically the Purdue game. They basically they blew out Purdue. That was probably their best 40 minutes. But we're, we're, we're close. <laughs> this is the best stretch of basketball they've played in in months. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, so after Gonzaga and Arkansas, we get Texas Tech and Duke to round things out in the West region. Uh, very, I mean, these these two nightcaps, I mean, Texas Tech, Duke, Arizona, Houston, these are just going to be ridiculous games. Uh, right now, Texas Tech is one-and-a-half-point favorites over Duke, 137-and-a-half. You've been on Texas Tech uh, pretty much since you and I have been talking NCAA tournament, Austin. I imagine that's the case here with them being slight favorites against Duke. Yeah, I like I like them again. I make this three and a half. Um, I, I think I'm not. I, I'm. This is kind of a combo thing. I'm. I'm a little higher on Texas Tech the market, and I think I'm a little bit lower on Duke than mm-hmm. market. Um, I think the Duke Michigan State game kind of epitomized what Duke is. They the, their defense lacks at times. Um, they they really that that's that's going to be their Achilles heel. Whether it's against Texas Tech. I mean, Tech's offense isn't great by any means, but you know when they go up and face Gonzaga here, it really seems like if 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 they match up with them in the Elite Eight, that that the defense is just going to end up just being the issue for them because the offense is fantastic. Uh, Wendell Moore, uh, Benchero, all these guys are just fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they just it's it's a bunch of keels even like Griffin. They all can score. Griffin, Griffin uh, I know he had the ankle injury late in that Michigan State game. We'll, I assume he's going to be. Uh, pretty much a hundred percent, but it really comes down to Texas Tech's defense. I think can handle Duke. I think Duke's going to score. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not one of these things where I think like, oh, Texas Tech will hold them to fifty points. I don't, I don't think that's p- really possible. But um, I, I, I like the matchup because Texas Tech's it's the whole their offense is what struggles, and that's what 
Duke's struggle is. They they struggle to defend, so Texas Tech should be able to score some points, and, and I think this defense can, can really light it up. And it's tough because at times, like the Notre Dame game, it can get really ugly for Texas Tech, but on the other side of the coin there, their defense, if they turn it up, like and they did in the final two minutes of that Notre Dame game, you can see some just great play. Um, interesting, though, because Texas Tech doesn't or turns you over. Duke doesn't turn the ball over. But on the other side, Duke doesn't turn you over, and Texas Tech turns the ball over a ton on offense. So, like, mm-hmm. this, it, it's just kind of these weaknesses are kind of being yes. outbalanced here uh, for Texas Tech. So, I'm going on. They like to run you off the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Duke uh, is a good three-point shooting team, but I, I just don't think they're going to be getting the looks that they, they have been all year in the ACC. So Texas Tech, for me, make them short favorite, uh, shorter than this, or bigger than this one and a half, though. I mean, you there are so many strength-on-strength and weakness-on-weakness matchups <laughs> in this game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And it's basically it's basically all right. Anything that's Duke offense and Texas Tech defense is a strength on strength, and anything that's Texas Tech offense and, and Duke defense is a weakness on weakness. But I mean, you distill it down to like the specifics, and it's just like every single place you look, there's a strength on strength or a weakness on a weakness. Um, I I, I lean toward Duke actually in this game. I think where where things get into trouble for Duke is. Like you said, they're not going to turn Texas Tech over. I mean, Texas Tech will turn it over, but Duke doesn't really force that. Um, and I think you know that's got that's got a lot to do with what defenses do. So, like, I think Texas Tech's weakness is going to be less weak than Duke's weakness there. So Duke doesn't turn you over, and then Duke doesn't clean up its defensive class all that well. And so that's where the, I think that's where Duke can most can most get into trouble because I do like. Texas Tech's defense is unbelievable, and you don't get to where they've gotten by accident. You don't get to where they've gotten by, you know, we know they're in the Big 12. Even if we did know they're in the Big 12, you just don't get to where they've gotten defensively by beating up on inferior opponents. You have to have a truly elite defense to be as good as they've been all season on defense. But I just think that, you know, Duke's Duke's, Duke's just like that on offense. That's, that's Duke on offense. Like, you can't take that away from Duke either. And I just, I, like, I feel like when the strength on the strength of Duke's offense and Texas Tech defense, when it really gets down to it, I want to lean toward Duke's overall talent. I want to lean toward Ben Caro and, and Wendell Moore and A.J. Griffin. I just, I feel like they can really, that they can, they can supersede what Texas Tech does defensively. And so I think it's, like, I oddly think it's going to come down to, when we're talking about weakness on weakness, whose weakness doesn't torpedo what they want to do, like yeah. is is Duke's is Duke's defense going to be that bad that Texas Tech is able to you know, get you know, clean up twenty two percent of their misses and get a couple of easy buckets off of that, or you know get some kick out threes off of offensive rebounds? Is that going to be the thing that swings this game, or is Texas Tech just going to turn it over like three times and get <laughs> a, just a you know have plenty of possessions and be able to overwhelm Duke's offensive efficiency with their own offensive volume? Like that's I feel where Duke gets into trouble in this game, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with the talent of Duke and go with the Blue Devils here. Yeah, it's it's one of these picks that I'm riding on Texas Tech. I don't, it's because of how like stagnant the offense can get. It's ugly. Like it's always going to be kind of ugly in a way. Like I don't expect they certainly could. Don't get me wrong, but I don't expect like them to shoot fifty percent from three and you know score eighty five points against this Duke defense. Um, but I think the offensive glass is the big key for for Tech on offense. Just those free easy buckets. Um, we got, we saw this TCU in Arizona, like just getting those extra 
you know, they're usually little layups, right? Like that's, that's such a, you know, easy shot to make. O'Banner is fantastic. I'm kind of rooting for him again because his Oral Roberts run last year was so much fun mm-hmm. with, with Max Aismas. But, um, I'm looking at Duke like over the, the last, like second half of the year and they've had two games that have been like above average shooting, uh, marks from three. And one, one was, uh, regular season game against Syracuse, which is like, you're you're not. It's kind of hard to compare that here because of the sure. zone. Mm-hmm. I don't really care that much. And then the other one's Pitt. They went eleven to twenty two against Pitt. Since then, it's like seven of nineteen, eleven of thirty two, five of nineteen, four of twenty, nine of twenty two, five of thirteen. Like they're not. I don't want to say they're living by the three. Like that eleven of thirty two game isn't the game against Syracuse. So again, I, that game doesn't really count because it's a zone. So since the North Carolina game, the final regular season, they. they they just haven't shot that well, and they're not, like, living by it in a way. So Texas Tech, I feel like that's such an X factor for Duke is if they can hit the, the three. Is Texas Tech doesn't want you to get into the, the paint against them. They're okay with you shooting threes. Like, they'll, they'll basically make you take tough threes, and I think that, that that is the other key here with the offensive glass thing. I don't expect them to turn Duke over that much. Like, I think if that happens, like, Duke's in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, because Duke really hasn't done that all year, that would be such an uncharacteristic thing. And I know Texas Tech is, defense is great, but I really expect this game to be the offensive glass for Texas Tech and the three-point shooting for Duke. If, if Duke gets run off the three-point line, can they, can they get in and score against this Tech offense? Like, is it... Are they shooting bad just off of off night, or are they being forced into like tough shots later in the shot clock? Um, th- that's what Texas Tech wants you to do. They want you know you talked about the the Mark Few and, and Musselman the the offensive sets. Like I'm really interested to see like these Duke offensive sets versus the Texas Tech like just the back and forth here. What these mm-hmm. what these coaches have uh, drawn up for this one. So I think I think Texas Tech can keep Duke off the three point line and and. <clears throat> You know, I'm I'm invested heavily in them. I got some futures on them. Hopefully, the Red Raiders can make it a good uh, a a good late Thursday night, as this is a 9:40 Eastern time tip. Yeah, and I mean, right there with it is the next game, Arizona and Houston. I mean, this could this Texas Tech, Duke, Arizona, Houston could easily we could be talking about that as the final four, and (laughs) and none of us would bat an eye at that. These teams are all (laughs) final four quality teams, and we're talking about these as Sweet 16 games and competing windows. I don't know what you do if if you've only got one screen because you're going to want to watch both of these games. (laughs) Uh, Houston and Arizona, just an unbelievable matchup. Arizona, one and a half point favorites. 24 hours ago, this was two and a half for Arizona. It's come down to one and a half. 145 and a half is the total. Houston and Texas Tech, those have been your two teams all tournament long. Austin, once again, I imagine you were sticking with the Texas squad and that you like Houston here. Yeah, same thing. Money line play for me. I I don't like to to grab the plus one. It's just, it seems like free throws come down and... There's so much late random stuff that I don't really care to get involved with these uh, spreads really below three. Um, but yeah, Houston, they're they're just being they're still being undervalued by the market. I really just can't. I, I, it's like this like everybody's waiting for them to just fall off a cliff because they don't have Sasser and Mark, and it's just it's just not happening. Um, it, it's 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 pretty incredible. Kelvin Sampson, um, like. I would argue probably like is one of the guys for coach of the year because of the injuries that they faced oh, yeah. and that they didn't really see a drop off and he just continues to win games. Um, they, they, I, I feel like people kind of forget they were in the final four last year. They ran into a Baylor team that obviously destroyed Gonzaga. Like Baylor was just on a different run uh, last year. So this game I think is the perfect TCU Arizona gave the 
perfect blueprint for how Houston can win this game. And it, 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 TCU dominated the offensive glass. Uh, they were, I, I kind of call them like a T, uh, Houston light in a way. They're kind of in the similar profile as Houston, just not as good. Houston's probably the best offensive rebounding team in the country. If you watch them play, they just, they kind of turn it into volleyball. Like they're just swarming the offensive boards and every single player for them is like can jump. It feels like they have long arms. They get hands on the balls. They, they just find positions that the defense does not when they don't box out properly. And they seem to always get the, get the ball. Arizona hasn't been a good defensive rebounding team all year. Um, so that's, that's really going to be the, the key for me uh, in this game. Arizona turns the ball over. Houston loves to turn you over. So there's a lot of matchups here that kind of favor um, um, Houston. There are some that favor Arizona. Arizona should get some offensive board uh, success as well. There's a free throw issue. Houston does foul a lot. Um, part of that issue, I think, is because they're so active on the offensive glass, they can get some extra fouls as well. But Houston is fantastic on defense. They make you take tough shots. We saw Illinois. I know Illinois is in kind of in a weird spot with how their season ended. Illinois did not take good shots for 40 minutes in that game. Yes. I know Illinois has been different, but like Coburn was was uncomfortable. They couldn't get anything on the perimeter. I, I just love this Houston matchup. Extra days to prepare, uh, prepare for this high-powered Arizona offense. Uh, I, I'm, I'm all in on the, uh, the Cougars here. Plus, you can get them at plus money on the money line. Um, I, I like them to, uh, to advance to the lead eight here. <clears throat> we, we have another uh, big clash in styles uh, in yeah. the way that these teams play uh, offensively. Uh, so there are 358 Division One schools. Houston is 333rd in adjusted tempo on Ken Palm. Arizona is fifth. Arizona's fourth in average possession. Like the Arizona, the the average Arizona possession is over after 15 seconds. I mean, this is a team that really. I mean, they know they know what they are. I mean, both these teams, both these teams, really. I, I would say at, at this stage of the season, all teams should. And Arizona knows exactly what it is with Benedict, with uh, with Creesa back healthy, getting back for the TCU game with Tubelis, with Coloco. I mean, they want to Dale and Terry. They want to get. They want to get at you. They want to get at you. They want to get into you. They want to score quickly, and then when they, they don't fall back. I mean, that's that's what this Arizona team wants to do. And frankly, they've been able to do it uh, really, really well all season long. There's a reason why they're a one seed. There's a reason why they are the number two overall seed in this tournament. There's a reason why they are 33-3 and three having played uh, a schedule that they played. This is this is a very, very good team that does what it does well. And Houston can really counteract a lot of those things, like you said. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is just – I mean, this is – this is a tough one for me. This is because of all these things that we're talking about here. This is a stay away for me. And, and I've got plays on on all the other games uh, of the day. So it's not like I'm going to be hurting for bets. This is, I mean, this one just, it, it we know what both these teams are going to want to do. We know what a Houston victory looks like. We know what an Arizona victory script looks like. And it's just very hard for me to sit here and say pregame that, you know, one team's going to be able to do that more so than the other team because these are two great teams. I mean, we, this could be a Final Four game. This could be a national championship game. Number two and number three teams on Ken Palm right now. These are comfortably in any sort of publicly available metric, two of the top three, four, five, whatever you want to talk about. These are two 
excellent basketball teams that probably should not be meeting in the Sweet 16. It's a tough draw for both of these teams. That happens when a team gets so severely underseeded the way that Houston did. Someone's going to be on the opposite. Houston for sure is going to be unlucky, and someone's going to be on the opposite side of that unlucky. It happens to be Arizona. This, I mean, it's, 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 it feels criminal that uh, we could be seeing, right? You've got a 1-5 and a 1-4 matchup, for example, and one of them is uh, Arizona and Houston, and the other one is Kansas and Providence. It just it feels so <laughs> criminal and that's where we find ourselves with this matchup yeah you know it's funny they could have put now you bring up providence you could have put (laughs) houston as like the four in the midwest region yeah and providence as the five and it probably would have just made like everything better because then like the midwest (laughs) like the whole opinion of the midwest probably still is the weakest region yeah but not by like the landslide that it was um but yeah another factor in this game is houston uh is very good at defending close twos um, and Arizona is very good at shooting close twos, and they, that's mm-hmm. their highest percentage of shots. They want to get to the rim. Um, they they do it very very well. Forty two percent of their their shots come can are considered close twos. Houston doesn't let you get there. It's kind of like Texas Tech. Like Houston's one of the best teams at avoiding close twos. So it's it's, it's kind of it's, it's these are all these matchups. It's like what gives? That we talked yeah. about in the Texas Tech exactly. Duke game. What gives here? Does Arizona like? I, I know there's some height height issues here, but you know, Houston has been able to manage that. They have extra time. I think this is another thing that helps Houston is if this was like the second game, if this was an Elite Eight game and have less time to prepare for mm-hmm. Arizona, I think it would be harder for them. But you're giving Kelvin Sampson four days. Like I feel like they're going to be able. They just they just managed Coburn. Like he was not, you know, killing them yeah. inside. I think they'll be fine. Um, Carlton was fantastic against Coburn. I think he'll be able to hold his own against Coloco. Uh, but that, that's really the thing. If Houston or sorry, if Arizona can't get in for those close twos, you know, they're, they're, they're a solid three point shooting team. Teresa was, well, I think one for 10 from three in there for like, I don't know if that's an ankle issue, you know, we'll see, we'll see what that is. But, you know, outside of him, you're not looking at like, I mean, uh, Benedict is, is, is mm-hmm. a good three point shooter, but like, you're not seeing like just guys that are just spot up three point shooters for so Houston likes to run you off the three point line. Can they basically can Arizona get the shots that they want to get? Because Houston's very good at making you take shots that you don't want to take. That's what happened against Illinois. That's what I expect them to do in this game. Uh, can Arizona get the ball into the paint? And they kind of like to play inside out because they're fantastic at getting to the rim. They'll take their threes built off of that success. <clears throat> if you want to say the game's going to be one in one spot, maybe that is indeed it. The close twos, and this is not just close twos, this is all twos, but one last number to get out the door with. Arizona ranks fifth in the country in two-point percentage, shooting them at 57.6%. Houston, ninth in the country at two-point defense, just allowing 44% on two-pointers. So that's sort of, if you're, if you're going to, it's not going to be one thing. If you wanted to point to one thing, or if you wanted to have one thing in mind as you get ready for this matchup, maybe that is indeed it. Again, a, a game fit for a championship matchup that we are going to be watching in the Sweet 16. Uh, just an awesome, awesome game to cap off what should be an awesome 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 day that gets us going on thursday in the sweet 16 and that will do it for this episode of best on the board thank you so much for joining us for austin i am michael beller good luck happy betting we'll talk to you very soon get ready wednesday we're right back here looking at all of friday's sweet 16 games so very excited to break those down as well good luck see you later 